Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Sugarcoated Murder, where we'll discuss and probably inappropriately laugh about and comment on. Yep, one of our favorite subjects murder. murder. Oh, and we love to bake. And why not combine our two favorite subjects baking and killers? Hello, Ann Varner. Hello, Karen Devaney. Oh, my goodness, your squeaky toy. Well, it's so much better than it was because remember, for the first week, there was no voice at there all. There was no voice. There was not even a whisper. There right. was not even a squeak. There was just nothing. Nothing. So I was a whole lot of so, hot air. I was really worried for a while that I had done some sort of permanent damage. Yeah, I and was then worried. My doctor even put me on steroids, hoping because if nobody knows exactly what happened, I went in for a routine colonoscopy. I mean, I'm just saying, only only my sister can right. do this. Went in for a routine colonoscopy, and I came out and the doctor told my sister that I had been sick to my stomach while I was under anesthesia and that I might have a little bit of a sore throat for a couple of days. Well, I had a throat that felt like I had swallowed shards of glass and a uvula the size of Montana hanging <laughs> in the back of my throat that I actually Nobody wants a uvula that no, big. That at the first day, the day after, I thought it was something like, <laughs> stuck in my throat and I actually went to pull on it and I was like oh my god it's connected <laughs> so I don't yeah. think that's a part of your body you're supposed to talk no, on you're not it <laughs> shouldn't not... be there for me to but it was gagging me it was I'm making sure. me sick to my stomach yeah. so um yeah it, it didn't go well so now I'm on steroids which make me um, hungry I'm puffy and but I'm sweaty. Yeah, I'm but you've sweating, got great energy. And then I get these bursts of I energy. I love it. She makes me look bad, but I don't mind it because usually I benefit from it somehow. Right. I've been doing a lot of cooking. Mm -hmm. So, um, but anyway, we're back and it's going to be a she's struggle. She's probably going to clear her throat more than once, but just know that it's not, she's not being rude. She's just trying to survive. I am. I'm just but trying we to couldn't get... wait to get back. We've missed doing this. I know. And it's I only really... been a week, but I felt like we missed a month. I feel like I missed a month too. Yeah. So we really needed this big time. And, yeah. and I just want to stop real quick and send out a big shout out to our hometown in Virginia that suffered a lot of damage last night from tornadoes or a tornado that touched down during the hurricane and it had a lot of devastation and damage and we're praying for everybody there and hoping everybody is safe and that power and some sense of COVID normalcy is returned right, as soon yeah. as possible. Yeah, so. there's a lot of devastation there. Um, if we find out somewhere where people might be able to contribute, we'll let you know. Yeah. A best guess would be the, the American Red Cross. I would imagine. It's always a great place to donate if you're yeah. looking for somewhere. That's true. And if we get more detailed information on places locally that may be taking items yeah. in or taking donations, we'll post it on our website. We definitely will. I've got some feelers out to people in the area and to see if yeah. what we can do from here sure. within reason. But um, we definitely will post it on our Facebook and Instagram if anybody 
yes. um, would like to help us help our people out. Absolutely. So, yes. But stay strong, Southampton County. We're thinking about you yep, guys. Yeah, we love y'all. Yeah. So okay. you're in the kitchen. I'm in the kitchen tonight. It's always exciting for me. <laughs> I'm drinking bourbon. You're drinking a Bloody Mary. I'm going to need a, a titch of a refill on my bourbon. Oh, she's going to be took on bourbon a long time two. to set I'm going to let you pour since you call me heavy-handed. No, you're not heavy-handed. You're heavy-handed with the mixer. Oh, I understand. You're not. I never <laughs> would complain about being heavy-handed with the bourbon. Right. Okay. So I actually am going to need for you to To pour, measure it? Okay, because you've got a bum shoulder. I have a bum shoulder, and I can't reach over there to... Well, here, I'm here. Let's let me take care of you, sugar. Mm-hmm. Let me just take care of you. Yeah. So... She's going to pour the me bourbon. a little double shot of bourbon and maybe just put a titch of ice in it. <laughs> this is not a bar. Um, if it were a bar, I'd be a little bit more picky. Oh, my goodness. So, anyway, so while you're um, icing me up there, I can tell you that I'm excited about what she's making today. Yes. Listen, miracle Thank upon you. all miracles. The Southern Living Magazine this month actually has a good recipe. So it's the August 2020. Yeah, we are in 2020. Um, Southern Living that just came out. And it's the last recipe in the magazine on the back page. It's called Bake a Better Batch. Oh, I like it. And it's um, a brown butter chocolate chip cookie recipe. I love brown butter. So, I, I mean, honestly... I love a Nestle Toll House chocolate chip cookie. Me too. And that I, recipe on the back of that bag is tried and true. And I never deviate when and I make chocolate chip cookies. you have to work hard cookie. to mess it up. Yeah. But when I saw this, I thought, hmm, that might be good. I think I'll try it. Because I like a browned butter. I will say, you do need to be a little prepared. It's not just hop in the kitchen and make up the cookies. Okay. Because you have to make your brown butter. Okay. And that takes um, about six to eight minutes. You're just, you're just going to melt. It's like a... A stick and a half of butter. Okay. And you melt it in a heavy saucepan. And butter, when you melt it, kind of goes through different phases where it, you, it looks like melted butter. And then you stir, 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 stir. Keep stirring. Don't stop stirring the whole time. First, Don't it's going to get. Stir and stir. Er, Don't stop to get it brown. Okay. Okay. I won't be singing tonight. Uh, I will, though. <laughs> Woohoo! So the first thing that happens is it gets foamy. You know, your butter gets a yeah. little foamy. And then it will get kind of clear, like a clarified yeah. butter would be. And after that, just keep watching it. It takes, for me, it's about six minutes. It starts to turn a golden brown. And you'll mm. actually see little brown bits a little bit in the bottom. Yeah, those are the solids. Take your butter off the heat at that point. Okay. So then you're going to take that melted butter and put it in a heat-proof dish. I always use a glass dish and I put a metal spoon across it like we used to do with iced tea when we were growing uh, up. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't either. I just do. It makes me feel better. But you stick it right in the refrigerator because you can't use it until it starts to solidify. Okay. Because you don't, you can't use the melted. Okay. You want it to be a little bit hard but not hard, hard. Okay. So it takes about an hour or so in the refrigerator for it to be ready. Okay. So just keep that in mind when you're doing this recipe. Yeah. Yeah. You can make the brown butter a day ahead and then bring it out to room temperature before nice. you use it if you want. The one thing I really, really love about this recipe is you don't have to make all of it at once. You can, we t- I took a picture of some that I've already scooped out onto my pan and you can take these balls of dough and stick them in the freezer 
until you're ready to cook the rest of it. Shut the front door. Um, um, it's shut. And it's locked. Because it's a safety issue. It is a safety but issue. But yeah, so I really love that because, you know, sometimes you don't want to make all the cookies. So this Most recipe, times I don't want to make no, all the cookies. Right. <laughs> so, and um, I use a, a cookie scooper, like an ice cream scooper. You know, those are the thing now. Like from Pampered Chef. They yeah, have those. Yes. And mine's the medium-sized one. So it makes six balls that go on each sheet. It doesn't make a whole lot of cookies, but they are big, hearty, thick They're big cookies. balls. I like big, big balls. Big balls. And I cannot lie. When yes. it comes to cookies, I almost die. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I got my wrapping britches on tonight. Too, I didn't even know. Must be the bourbon. So um, this also calls for more brown sugar than white sugar. I like that. I like brown more brown sugar in my cookies. Yeah, and it, with the brown butter, it gives it a little bit of a toffee type. Yeah. You know who else likes brown sugar? Brown sugar? Mm -hmm. The Rolling Stones. Yeah, brown sugar. <laughs> <laughs> See how much I've missed this? I know. I'm like really, I'm like, I'm loaded for bear right yeah. now. So <laughs> unfortunately, some of the outlets in my kitchen are not working. And I had to, so I went ahead and I knew I didn't have much of a voice. So I went ahead and mixed everything together and I've got it ready to go into the oven. Okay. So that people could still hear me. And plus I yes. know i got to save up my voice a little bit for Please when I do. do my story. Yeah. So I'm going to start rotating these through the oven, and okay. you can get started on your story. My story. It's so good to be back. It is good to be back, Jack. Okay, so I'm going down under oh, God. to Australia, mate. All right. I mean, that's a really good accent right there, don't you no. think? No. No, it is. It's That's how they sound. Australia, mate. I don't think so. No, I've listened. I've, I've, I listened. I've watched the Housewives of Melbourne, oh. and that's how they talk. I think it's Melbourne, not Melbourne. Melbourne is the way they pronounce it. I'm pronouncing it the way it's spelled. <laughs> Don't do that. Grammar police. <laughs> Melbourne. Okay. Or Melbourne. Okay. Anyway, before I was so rudely interrupted and almost corrected, but never. So, down in Australia, I'm going to talk about a lady. Her name is Celia Natasha Dowdy. She Ooh. went by Tasha. Mm -hmm. She was born. Seriously? She went by Tasha, not Cecilia? Her name is just Celia, well, not what? Cecilia. Perhaps that's why she didn't go by Celia, because she got tired of people calling her Cecilia. So, she went with Tasha. Damn. That's right. So she was born in February of 1943 in Wellsbourne, War Warwickshire, England. God, I know. Why? Why? Why do you do that? Why? Why? No, it's like I don't even mean to find them. <laughs> why can't I just find like a Cindy Jones that was born in Smith, Kansas? Right. <laughs> but I don't. That's no. not what happens to me. Anyway, she was born in England. In, this, in the summer of 1983, which is the year I graduated from high school. Oh, you're old. I know. Tasha worked as a waitress at a resort on Brampton Island, Australia. Mm -hmm. It was a resort island. Okay. Okay. So, August 31st, Tasha took a ferry into the nearby, nearby town of McKay for a dental appointment. She spent the night in town. And on the following day, she traveled back to Brampton Island by ferry. This is the craziest thing. But you've done one. I know. On somebody that went for a dental appointment. Yes, I did. It was the girl in Alaska. Alaska. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sergi. 
I'm wondering if we should think about that. The dentist brings you bad luck? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to stop going to the dentist. I like my teeth. Yeah. So, I don't know. Anyway, but she, and so she came back, and that was August 31st. On September 2nd, Tasha failed to show up for work. Upon investigation of Dowdy's um, boarding room that she was living in on the resort, police found evidence that she had been there after getting off the ferry. They found birthday gifts that she had bought for her youngest son. She had purchased them while in McKay, according to the receipts. She had also purchased a red beach towel that was not in the room. So they're like, oh, well, if she's got a beach towel, maybe maybe she's she's at the beach. So later that day, on September 2nd, Tasha's body was found in the scrub, which is like, you know, like the brush area, kind of back off the beach. Like the shrubs? Well, you know, shrubs are more like ornate in your, in your, the scrub is like, it's like the, it's like where, so when you walk in on some beaches and you walk up away from the water and then it turns, before it turns into like the woods, a wooded area, it's got like the scrubby brush that, you know, it's hard to walk through and that kind of stuff. That's where her body was. It had been drug up there. Oh dear. Yes. Like drug from the beach up there? It's, it seemed that it had been. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, her nude body had been covered with the red beach towel. Okay. Her purse and her clothes were nowhere to be found. As a matter of fact, they were never found. Oh, dear. And she was on the beach towel that she was covered with, um, that red beach towel, there were bloodstains and what looked like semen. Great. Mm -hmm. So, she had been beaten in the head with a stone. That they found nearby. A big big rock. Oh, my gosh. Somebody had bashed her. That's brutal. So there were no witnesses to the crime. And upon interviewing co-workers at the resort, they estimated Tasha had arrived at Dingy Bay Beach, which was a remote beach. Dingy Bay? Dingy Bay Beach. It was a secluded remote beach that was there near the resort. And they estimated, um, because people had seen her, like, walk through. Right. They thought that she had been there around 1040 a.m. But by 11 o'clock, when the private plane flew over, mm-hmm. there was no one on the beach of Dingy Bay. Oh. People that were in the plane noticed that there was nobody on the beach. So we got like a 20-minute window where we can't account for her be- where being. Exactly, where she was probably attacked in that 20 minutes. Damn it. I know. So police um, interviewed over 300 guests and visitors and staff on the private resort, and there were no leads that panned out. Wow. And the Queensland government actually offered $30,000 for a reward for information leading to a conviction. Wow. And no one called. Really? No one called with any viable tips. Witnesses. It's got to be the, tough, you know, on a resort because there's so many people coming and going you would and think, you don't know. Yeah, but I think that people are coming and going and they're minding their own business and there's, like, everybody is part of the crowd. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't think about, you know. So, but in my mind, I see the red towel. Like in Schindler's List, when you see the little girl with everything's black and white except for the red jacket, right. I keep seeing in my mind the red, red towel, towel right. moving through the crowd of people that are all black and white. Right. Nobody's noticing anything. Right. So anyway, um, witnesses on the ferry that were on the ferry back from Brampton Island when she came back, because they, they got a time stamp from her mm-hmm. receipt that they found, they reported to have overheard a couple arguing where the woman was openly complaining to the man about having 
been left alone on the island for several hours and not knowing where he was. Oh, my. And the man was overheard explaining he did not realize how big the island was. Oh, wow. So police kind of tuned in on that, but they could never find the couple. So there were several witnesses that witnessed the couple, but they couldn't find them. Well, maybe it was Tasha and somebody else. Well, we don't know. They couldn't find them. So in 1988... So this happened in 83. So five years later, a, there was a breakthrough in the case when a man called police and reported that he knew who the couple was that they were looking for. Oh. And it turns out that his brother was the male in that couple. Oh. So he reported that his brother, Wayne Butler, who lived in, had lived, or was living in Sydney, and Wayne and his wife were the couple that the, they were seeking, that they had been on the ferry, that Wayne had disappeared, so to speak, for four hours or a long time, and the wife was pissed about it. Wow. Right. So they go and arrest Wayne Butler in Sydney. In Sydney? Sydney? Sydney. Wow. It's a new Sydney place. Sydney and Italy combined? It, Sydney? But it's Australia, uh, so it's really tricky. It's, wow. It's a new place. Yes. It's a new place in, in Australia, mate. <laughs> so... Uh, Wayne Butler is arrested, but then he's released due to lack of evidence. Right, yeah. Because the semen that was found on the beach towel came back as inconclusive. <gasps> We're in the 80s. We're in the 80s. Not a lot of DNA I technology. Again. Nine years later, in October of 1997, Butler's wife divorces him, and then she visits the police in Sydney. Oh, my she reports that her husband, Wayne Butler, was the man that murdered Dowdy. Oh. She said she was too afraid of Wayne to talk about it when they were married. Funny how divorce makes you have a little courage. <laughs> <laughs> so by now, DNA techniques had advanced enough to return a conclusive result that Wayne Butler was the owner of the semen on the towel. Fantastic. Yes. So in 2001, Butler... Wait, he's rearrested. Right. Just in case you didn't know. And then he goes on trial in 2001. Okay. His former wife testified against him. Good for her. Saying he had disappeared for four hours that day on the island. And she also reported that that was not unusual behavior for him to just disappear. Really? Yes. Oh, Wayne, you're bad. I know. He's a disappearer. A disappearer? He is. He's a a semen-leaving disappearer. (laughs) A semen-leaving demon. Demon leaving, disappearing demon <laughs> from Australia, mate. From Sydney. Sydney. <laughs> I don't know Sydney. I don't know Sydney about Sydney. <laughs> the bourbon just kicked in. <laughs> oh my gosh, I got tears in my eyes. I can't. Okay, so I'm going to say this word right the prosecution. <laughs> We don't have any prostitutors. No prostitutors. <laughs> Not in the story. Sorry. The prostit. No. <laughs> the prosecution. Prosecution presented the new DNA evidence saying that the probability that it was not Butler was 1 in 23 times 10 to the 15th. Wow. That's a lot. That's a However lot. many it is, it's a lot. It's 23 yeah. a lot. Yeah. So, and there goes Lance Bass in the background. <laughs> we, we've made a breakdown. We, 
we don't, don't want to say his name no. to call attention to him, so now I'm calling him Lance, Lance Bass. Bass. <laughs> so the defense argued that the DNA evidence had aged. Right. And had probably been contaminated during the first testing. Whatever. And that's why it was coming back to okay. Butler. Okay. That makes make so. no sense. No. That's None. not how it works. Zero. Okay. So, it took 90 minutes for the jury to convict Wayne Butler for murder, among other charges. Oh. Amongst others. Hopefully, rape would be one. Perhaps. Or semen leaving. Semen leaving. That's litter. <laughs> litter. <laughs> semen litter. <laughs> Gotta have a high dollar fine. Yes. Nothing nasty. It's just gross. Don't leave your semen. Nobody wants to be dealing with it. Oh, God. <laughs> this was 27 years after the murder of Tasha. Right. I almost called her Cecilia. Don't, you put a witch. Don't do that. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. So, the judge sentenced him to life with no possibility of parole. So, he said, you're a savage. You did a savage thing. You're going to go to jail for life, and parole will never be a possibility for you. Well, never. We, we know that's not always the case. Never I know. But when they say no possibility of parole, they really do mean it. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. So, Butler appealed in 2001. Right. The verdict was upheld. Oh, good. good. Hey! He appealed again. Tell Lance Bass to take a hike. Take a hike, Lance Bass. <laughs> he appealed again in 2005, asking for a pardon from the governor. A pardon? From the governor. Hello, governor. I'd like a pardon. <laughs> Except suddenly I'm not from Australia, mate. I'm from somewhere in very old England. <laughs> anyway, I'm in the nerve of this guy. So, anyway, the governor said, fuck you, you're going to stay in jail. <laughs> Good for him. Way to go, Gov. That's right. And so, that appeal was based on a forensic scientist statement saying that the results from the lab were wrong. And he said, I'm not, I can't say whether or not Wayne is a murderer, but I can tell you that the evidence from the lab was wrong. Oh, okay. Well, nobody gave a shit about him either. Right. So that appeal took four years to be heard and processed. Wow. But it was dismissed in 2009, and again, his life with no parole was upheld. So Wayne Butler remains in jail, and yeah. this was the first trial using DNA as evidence in Australia. Oh, wow. Yes. See there? It was, and it worked. And it worked. Sorry, Mama. It's okay. My goodness. It's the bourbon talking. It's the bourbon. It makes me. Hold it together, lady. I don't know what it makes me, but it makes me. Salty. Salty? I don't think so. Loose. I think it makes me loose lipped. Loose lips. Eat ships. So be careful. And so does semen. Oh, God. <laughs> so, anyway, that's my murder. Wow. And I'm sticking to it. That's, that's amazing. I thought it was very interesting. Yes, I did. I agree. I was very interested in it. I could From tell. From beginning to end, riveted. 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 So, yes. And we got some good singing in there. And, well, not really. We didn't really sing in my murder. But we did come up with a, a little ditty. There was a ditty. <laughs> it was a ditty called, what was that? 
I don't remember what it was, but I remember that there was one. It was a good one, too. It was a semen, semen leaving, leaving demon, dirty demon. Del they didn't go to a deli. Deli. Demon deli. A semen leaving, disappearing yes. demon. There you go. There you go. That's what Wayne Butler is. Yes. So here's to Wayne Butler. No. He's still in jail in Australia. Here's to making the decision to keep Wayne here's Butler in jail. Here's to the governor who said, up yours, there mother. Right, trucker. <laughs> <laughs> Mother trucker, stay your ass in jail. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, it smells really good. Yes. And the Cookie Monster in me is about to come out. Ooh, but okay. I won't let it. But yeah. I want it to. But I won't let it. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick pause. Yes. So we can, um, I don't know. Switch. <laughs> so we can do something. I don't know what we're going to do. We might do a dosey do I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my I'm God. such a poet. I don't I'm a rapping genius. Pause. Please press pause. Sorry. Okay. Pause. Pause. We're on pause. All right, we're on pause. And I just want y'all to know that I snatched, <laughs> snitched. Snatched. I took some batter. It was so good. Yeah, that brown butter gives it, it reminds me of a, the taste of a Warther's. For you know, sure. buttery, toffee kind of. Mm. Yeah, it's got a little, of, little bit of nuttiness in yeah. it. Yeah. That was so yummy. Yeah. I mean, I could just eat that whole bowl. Well, please yeah, don't stop. Yeah. All okay. right, so Karen's on Cookie Watch, and I'm going to talk to you. Ooh. Um, and I'll be honest with you, it's been so long since I wrote this one up. Um, it'll be a surprise. It'll be a surprise. <laughs> I don't even hardly remember. I don't either. But. Oh, wait, I didn't. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Oh, okay, so note to self, one limit is one bourbon. Once we get to two bourbons, it gets a little crazy. I saw me. <laughs> Ready to go. Ooh, here we go. All right. So we're going to Idaho Falls, Idaho. Idaho, Utaho. 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 Utaho, not Idaho. I'm not the ho. Utaho. Utaho. Idaho, Utaho. Utaho. Weedaho. No, Utaho. Idaho. Idaho. Oh, he's cutting himself all crazy now. You are stressing out my dog with your choking ways. It is a lovely community. The people are very friendly here. But my God, <laughs> when there's the threat of a hurricane, they turn the freaking elevators off. Yeah, our dog waiter has been out of order. Holy crap. <laughs> so my dog goes out four times a day. I have had to walk up and down those freaking stairs four times a day for two days now. With no voice. With no voice. And I'm an asthmatic, for God's sake. For God's sake. It's just not working out for me. No. I, we're going to have to I told you, just hold him up under his front paws and no. let his wee-wees point at the screen and let it just shoot through the no, screen. No, because with my luck, it'll hit the screen and splash <laughs> back at me. And then you'll laugh and it'll get in your mouth. Oh, my gosh. Listen. Never mind. There has to be a law against turning the elevators off in a building. Can somebody please research that? Yes, let us know. Is that a handicap law? Because I'll get a doctor's note. Yeah. Okay. And, and an attorney. And, well, 
We can't afford an attorney, but one might be appointed for us. <laughs> That's so nice. Could somebody disappoint themselves, our attorney? Yes. <laughs> Leave the elevators on. We're adults. We know when to not get in the elevator, but we had a couple of gusts, wind gusts, and some rain yesterday. That was it. It didn't hit us. No, but anytime they're calling, if we're under a threat of hurricane or tropical storm, oh. it's over. Clover. <sighs> so. Yeah. Well, it's not working out for me at all. Right, take me to Idaho. All right, we're going to Idaho. So, Betty Gray. Lord, I thought you would say Betty Crocker. No, Betty Gray. Okay. Betty Gray dedicated her life to raising her kids and to running her family's pawn shop. Hmm. In her free time, she baked cakes for special occasions. I love her. People around town call her the cake lady. Betty Gray. Betty Gray, the cake lady. Yes. She was well-liked and extremely nice. She met her friend Rita, and that's R-E-E-D-A, not Rita, but Rita. Oh, wow. Rita Rowdy. Mm -mm. <laughs> no way her name was not Rita Rowdy. It might be Roundy. Roundy? I'm not sure I can read my... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to call her Rita. <laughs> That's a good idea. And she met her through work. Rita worked for a sporting good company that did business with the Gray Family Pawn Shop. Okay. Rita was a loving and kind mother, and Betty and Rita became great friends and hung out with each other often. Oh, I like that. July 24th, 1989, a frantic call comes in to the Bonville Sheriff's Office, which is in Idaho Falls. It was just after 7.30 in the morning on a warm July Monday, and the man on the line said that he had just discovered the bodies, um, the two bodies of his friends at Rita's house. He said they had both been shot. Police, Rita and Betty? Rita and Betty. Mother trucker. I know it. They took, took out that Kate lady. They took out the Kate lady. Yeah. And her friend. Yes. And you know she probably made cookies or something. She's probably a cookie lady. She probably did something. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So, uh, blah, blah, blah. They found the bodies. <laughs> oh, he said they both been shot. So yada, police, yada, yada. <laughs> police rushed over to Rita's house where the 911 caller, Leroy Leavitt. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Right through the nose. <laughs> A-V-I-T-T. Holy crap! <laughs> leave it. Leroy, leave it. Oh my gosh, I say that to Leroy all the time. <laughs> mm, I gotta get the cookies. Get the cookies. And, uh, okay, so Leroy meets the police outside of the house. He was so upset it took police a minute to get him calmed down. And he told them that the bodies of Rita and Betty were inside Rita's house. Oh, my gosh. Leroy had come to the house to give Rita a ride to the airport. When he rang the doorbell, no one answered, so he walked around the house and noticed that the sliding glass door in the back was open. He walked in and yelled for the ladies. Hello. But he got no answer. Hello, ladies. Hello. He walked, he walked into the house and saw both Rita and Betty dead, that and that's when he called the police. Tragic. Yeah, it's this good. This is weird. This is crazy. I'm about to tell you something crazy. Hold on to your hat. Get right. out of the dough. Uh-uh. <laughs> that counts as a cookie. I stressed out for a minute. <laughs> 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 I'm not 
So investigate investigator. <laughs> oh no, we got investigators. It's a new it's a new one. Investigators. Investigators go into the house and they discover something that Leroy hadn't mentioned. In Rita's kitchen, on top of the counter, were 18 burned down red candles on plates in the shape of a U. What? Six candles at the top, six candles down each side. So it's a U. Six. I got it. Six. Six. I got it. Okay. Lord have mercy. In the middle were words written, um, Satan loves you. And they had been written, That those words had been written in blood. Ew. And now, holy crap. Right? That's nasty. Yeah. That's scary. But it's not as nasty as semen droplets, but it's pretty bad. That's bad. Yeah, because, like, we haven't even seen the dead bodies yet. We're just at the kitchen. So oh, what the gosh. heck are we going to see after this, right? So the investigators are thinking they were going to find a brutal murder scene. Like, sure. blood everywhere, typical <laughs> satanic. But they don't. First, they walk into Rita's room. An investigator said if they didn't know she was dead, they would have thought she had dozed off while reading a book. What? Yep. She was sitting up in her bed with a book in her lap. Her head was hanging down just a little bit to her chest. Like she fell asleep. Right. She looked like she was sleeping. Dang. There was no evidence of a struggle. There was one gunshot wound to the side of her head that had gone in one side and straight out the other. There were no signs of violence, no sign of sexual assault. Investigators then go to the guest bedroom where they find Betty. Betty the cake lady. Again, Betty looked like she was sleeping. She was face down on the pillow with one gunshot to her head. Again, there were no signs of a struggle and no sign of sexual assault. Crazy, right? What is happening here? As investigators continue to look through the house, they take note that the house is incredibly clean. Nothing had been disturbed. Sugar, they're never going to say that about my house. No. They're never going to say that. Well, if they come back and say that, I'll be like, oh my God, she was murdered. Yes, you'll know. Somebody murdered her after they cleaned or they cleaned after they murdered, but there ain't no way it's clean. Yes. Did you set the timer? I'm sure I've been here for two minutes. So you're going to want to set the timer for nine minutes. You think? Because nine plus two was 11. Well, I just need to make sure because you're not in a good mindset right now. I'm not in a great mindset. Anyway, nothing had been disturbed other than two dead bodies and the weird 666 candles and the satanic message in blood. And red. I wonder if they just, I mean, did they bring those with them? I guess. There was no indication that something sinister had taken place. Just weird. Nothing had been stolen. Nothing was out of place. They did find some blood in the sink in the bathroom, and they noticed that the toilet seat was up, which was odd because oh, it was just two women. Because it's just two women. Right? Leroy Dunn went in there and tinkled, <laughs> and he did not put the seat down, and that drives me in freaking sane. Leave it. Leroy, leave it. No, he left it. That was the one time you don't leave it. <laughs> don't leave it. <laughs> Damn it. So there was evidence that the killer had made himself or herself comfortable enough to smoke four cigarettes and enjoy a can of Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew? Mm-hmm. Listen, and you know what? Probably Betty and Rita didn't even smoke or like smoking in the house. Probably not. <sighs> and he probably took their Mountain Dew. Oh, you know he did. 
bring that with him? Gee, crickets. So they take the Mountain Mother Dew can trucker. and they send it to the crime lab. What did they send? The Mountain Dew can. Oh, the can. The can. Not the can. The can. The can to the crime lab. <laughs> but it was clear <laughs> that Kella had been wearing gloves. Because well, there was no fingerprint. print. <laughs> Speaking from the gut. <laughs> Keep going. Really, there was no evidence left behind other than the blood in the bathroom and one 9mm bullet that was lodged in the wall in Rita's room. There were no other shell coat casings. But wait, if somebody wrote that message in blood, weren't there fingerprints in there? Well... I don't think it captures the thing. I guess it's all, it's all smeared. smeared. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bagel smear. Yeah. So this is really um, interesting because most satanic killings have a messy crime scene. Sure. There's usually there's blood rituals. everywhere. The crime scene, this crime scene though is pristine. So it, it doesn't match. It, doesn't match. it seems like that satanic ap was an afterthought. Right. It was a satanic or something afterthought. Something to throw you off the trail. Yeah. Or whatever. So, I mean, what the heck happened here? Was the killer after one of the ladies or both? Or just wanted some candles. Or, I mean, is this like a cake gone bad situation? Did he just like, want what? some Mountain Dew? What happened? I don't know. Betty what? and Rita well, were both loving mothers. Their kids were grown. They both worked. Rita's kids were devastated. Betty's daughter had just found out that she was pregnant with her second child, and she never got the chance to share that news with her mother. Betty's husband, Bill, was also devastated. He was convinced that it was some copy, that it was some copy, not copy, not copy. I didn't crazy, say copy. Crazy, crazy, the word is crazy, 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 occult killing. So, I don't believe it. The first step in solving the crime is to figure out a motive and who the intended target was. They did know that the words written in blood were written in Betty's blood. Oh. There were drops of blood from Betty's body to the kitchen. Uh -huh. Investigators figured out that Betty and Rita had been murdered between 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock in the morning. They actually found similar candles and timed how long it took for them to burn down. They know that it took three to four hours, and since the wax was still warm mm -hmm. when they got there, they calculated between two and three. Well, I'm leaning. And more and more towards Leroy. Leroy? Especially with that seat up. Oh, you know, that, that's what did it. He's like, I'm gonna kill you, then I'm gonna leave the seat up. And just piss you right the hell mm -hmm. off? That's, that's what I you think he did. Jerk. Mm -hmm. So, Investigators start coming through the crime scene. As they're looking around outside, they find bicycle tire tracks in the driveway. Neither Rita nor Betty owned a bicycle. But did Leroy? So that was strange. But Leroy did own a bicycle. <coughs> so investigators start honing in on poor Leroy. Oh. I mean, you know, maybe he reported the murders after he did it. I don't know. It happens. I mean, he was... Was he going to give Rita a ride to the airport on his bike? I I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he'd have everyone take her car. Maybe. 
I'll just ride my bike and we'll take your car. And then I'll take your car home and park it and then I'll ride my bike home. Yeah. Because I don't have a car. I have a bike. Maybe. A Schwinn. So they decided <laughs> Schwinn? A so they called Leroy down to the station to ask him a few questions. That's <laughs> a Schwinn. Uh, Leroy. Leroy. Says been, he had been over and visited with Rita and Betty the night before the crime. Oh. He says he left them at 7.30 p.m. and everything was fine. Uh-huh. Then he came back 12 hours later and they were dead. Leroy was very, very nervous during the interview. They suspected that he wasn't being honest about something, and they were right. Upon further investigation, (laughs) they found out that old Leroy was having an affair with Betty. Shut the front door! Leroy and Betty were doing the dirty. Yeah. (gasps) I wonder if Frida approved or not. I don't think she cared. They had been seeing each other for almost a year. I mean, a year and a half. <laughs> That's more I than a year and forgot to say and He had been sending her cards, had gotten her a safe deposit box to stash money in so she could leave Bill. Damn it, Leroy. Poor Bill. You have to tell the truth. Well, poor Bill. Poor Bill. Not so devastated. I mean, Leroy was married. So well, he was he had a lot of who was he married to? Miss Leroy? Yes. Okay. He flunked a polygraph test, but his wife did tell police that he was at home when Rita and Betty were murdered. She was sure of it. So she don't know because he's been stepping out on her. She also said she had no idea that they were having an affair. What a way to find out. I know, but she still insisted, despite the fact that you told me my husband is a lion cheat and son of a gun, <laughs> he was at home during between two and three. I was plotting ways to kill him. <laughs> Investigators cleared Leroy as a suspect. He's cleared. I think that was a rush he didn't to judgment. Do it. He didn't do it. Okay. Rita's daughter, Ruth Ann, told police that Rita had mentioned an acquaintance that had made her feel threatened. As a matter of fact, Rita had told Ruth Ann that if anything ever happened to her, this man should be investigated. <gasps> was it Bill? No. Oh. This guy's name was J.W. Dyer. J.W.? J.W. Dyer. J.W. Dyer and Rita had met while she was living in New Mexico. He had stalked her when she threatened to kill her. Idaho. Betty DeHo. You DeHo. No, Betty (laughs) DeHo. Already. Betty DeHo. Betty DeHo. You and Betty. Not not me and Betty. I'm not stepping out. And I'm not doing it with Leroy. And his Dyer had threatened to kill Rita after she turned down some romantic advances that he made. Oh, my God. Get over the rejection, man. I know. So they tracked Dyer down. (laughs) And they get an alibi from him. He was was at home. It's the night that drove old Dyer down. (laughs) He was at home in Oregon. The people were singing. (laughs) (laughs) They gave him a polygraph test, and he was eliminated as a suspect. It's a suspect. I'm trying really hard to get through this. Well, my puppy. Suspect. <laughs> oh my god! Here we go. So back to uh, the drawing board. The cookies are ready. Can you take the cookies out, please? It's a suspect. <laughs> oh my god. So anyway, back to the drawing board. Next, they look at 
Rita's current boyfriend. He um, was a co-worker. He lived in Washington, and his name was Riley. Riley! Yeah, go Rita. Um, wait, wait a minute. Hugh. His first name is Hugh. It's Hugh Riley. <laughs> Girl, you're messed Hugh. up. I, know. I don't even know what you're doing. Hugh. Where's the spatula? What do you need it's a spatula right here. for? I was going to put the good cookies over here. Anyway, uh, he lived in Washington. His name is Hugh Riley. Hugh was a divorced sales rep, and Rita was in love. But according to Rita's kids, the day before Rita was murdered, she found out that stupid Hugh was, in fact, married. Listen, I am really appreciative of this love that these are, ladies are finding in their twilight years. I know. I think that's really it's sweet. What's going on? So Rita had actually found Hugh's wife and called to tell her what was going on. Rita was heartbroken and furious. She had no idea that he was married. So now he's a suspect, and so is his wife. Uh, he and his wife had ironclad alibis for the night of the murder, so they were cleared. Now what? Now. Investigators are stumped, and then they get an interesting call from a security guard at a local hospital. Oh, my gosh. He'd seen um, the news coverage of the murders. Uh-huh. And he wanted to tell police about a strange encounter that he had around 3 a.m. on the 24th of July, mm -hmm. which is the day. But the security guard was making his rounds in the hospital parking lot mm -hmm. when he came upon a man putting his bicycle into his truck. The guard thought, that's kind of weird, because the man seemed like he was in a rush. He ducked down when he got into his truck. So the guard's like, uh, dude, what are, you, what are you doing? Who you is? He asked the driver if he was okay. The man was sweating profusely and said he was fine. Oh. The man then pulled away and drove off into the night. The hospital was just three miles from Rita's house. Oh. And investigators asked the guard for a detailed description of the man and the bicycle. Mm -hmm. The guard said the was man... Was a Schwinn. Was a Schwinn. <laughs> Schwinn. The man looked to be in his 50s. He had grayish black hair, and the bike was a girl's bike. Oh, my. Well, that'll stick out. And it had a wool seat pad on it. Wool? You know, for the cushion. Wool? For the cushion, you're tushy. Yeah, but that's a you know, scratch. Like wool is scratchy. Wool. Like the lamb's wool. Oh, you know? that's a whole different kind of wool. Yeah, yeah, like a lamb's wool. Okay. Uh, the man was wearing a backpack. The guard worked with a sketch artist, and they came up with a composite sketch of the man. Mm -hmm. Do you have it in your um, book? Did yes, you draw I it? drew it. I drew it in my book. Yes. Do you see it? Yes. Who do you think it is? Leroy. Oh, no. <laughs> I think it's Bill. Oh, God. When they looked at the sketch, they're stunned. They've seen this guy before. It's Betty's husband, Bill. Oh, my God. I have it, Bill. Oh, I am a genius. <clears throat> I mean, first I thought it was Leroy, but then I honed right in on Bill. Yeah. Because he found out Leroy and Betty were doing the horizontal bop. One would think that would cause people to be angry as a person. Angry, murder. and he left that seat up on purpose because he knows it gets on her freaking nerves. <laughs> Investigators go to the Gray family pawn shop, and there sits the freaking truck the security guard had described. <sighs> Bill, you're a dumbass. Oh, yeah. And as they're taking pictures, they notice that leaning up against the wall is a, a girl's bike. It's with the wool seat. 
with the wool itchy seat. So they start to seek out Bill, and they watch him smoke the same type of cigarette that they had found at Rita's house. You know what, Bill? It's you... always cigarettes, right? I mean, people should stop smoking stop already. It. It's 2020. When they confronted Bill, he was very combative, and he said he didn't do it. And he, he said, I wasn't home the night of the murder. He also said he didn't know anything about any kind of, of an affair between Betty and Leroy. B.S. Well, that was a lie. He knew that Betty was planning to leave him, and he knew that if she left, she was taking 50% of the assets, and he was not happy about that. Well, guess what? Now he's going to get zero. <clears throat> right. Zero. So, and interestingly enough, they always do this. It drives me crazy. Bill had taken out a $250,000 life insurance policy on Betty that she didn't know about. I think there needs God, to be a Bill. law that when somebody takes a life insurance policy out on a person, that person is then sent an official letter yes. saying this person on this date took out this life insurance policy on you in case you didn't know. I know, but they have got to find a way to get it to the person same day. Because if it goes through the mail, it could take a week, and by then you're dead. And it could be intercepted. It could be. So, courier, courier. Phone, phone call. I can't allow you without notification. This person has to be notified. Yes. This not just notified, but they need to be in person with their driver's license right, to right. prove it's them. Yeah. And we're going to take that person's fingerprints, you mother trucker. Yes. I'm oh, going to I mean, why can't we have some freaking laws around here, work people? I'm doing it. I don't know what it's going to be called, but I'm going to make a movement. Yes. All right, so now we've got motive and we've got our killer. But remember, it's 1990. Oh. The murders happened in 1989, so DNA wasn't a big thing. They had no murder weapon. They had no fingerprints. The district attorney decides to move forward with the case, to not move forward with the case. He yes, says, no, I'm not so. moving forward with this case. There's not enough evidence. Oh, my gosh, you stupid DA. But in 1991, the children of Rita and Betty filed a civil suit against Bill for the death of her mother. Wait, so Bill's own children filed yes. a suit against yes. Bill? Good yes. for them. Yes. Ugh. Yes. Because their dad's an asshole. Yes. He's a douche canoe. Yes. Oh. And they won. Oh, I love it. I hope he was left penniless. Well, the press got a hold of it. Good. And they put a lot of pressure on a newly elected district attorney. Well, that's the best kind to have. And wouldn't you know, that guy decides, hmm, I think maybe I should take Bill to trial for murder. Yeah, you think? So in April of 1992, um, that jackass Bill has now moved to New Mexico. So I guess they, so. They find him and they... Isn't her. that where Rita's ex-boyfriend yes. was that stalked her? What's happening in, in New Mexico? What's well, they happening? lived in New Mexico before, I guess, maybe. I whatever. Whatever. There's some connection there, but I don't know what it is. Well, I don't either. So, anyway, they, it is. You had too much to drink. <laughs> oh, Lord. So now they've, um, they found him and they charge him. With two counts of first-degree murder and one count of first-degree burglary. Because you're not getting away with breaking into somebody's house. And leaving the seat up, you mother trucker. Right. So on the night of the and murder... And you know he peed on the seat and didn't clean it up. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say, oh, yeah. I know. I know his type. I know yes. his type. Yeah. But my husband is not that type. I just want know. everybody to know that. Because that is not who he is. Thanks for letting everybody know. I'm just saying, I don't want people to read into that. Because his bathroom habits. They're very neat. Okay. He's very tiny. So on tinkler. the night of the murder. <laughs> He's a tiny oh, tinkler. Oh, <laughs> well, I just want to finish my murder. I do. I'm like, but he 
it. He's a tiny Okay. <laughs> Actually, did a wave. We have a fan page we that you do. can ask to join. We would love to have you on the fan page. Yes. That's where we drop notifications of new episodes early, yeah. earlier than all the rest of the fools in the world. Or you can just be on the regular old Sugar Coated Murder podcast page. Yeah. 
family love you and stay sweet. Yes, have a great week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.